0: And the Extra Point is good.
1: Hour number two of Extra Point on this Monday, December 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortillaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. We'll take your phone calls if you'd like to, like to hop in in this hour, 602-260-1060. We'll do that around 12.15 today. Let's reset the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Going back to Sunday with the Cardinals topping the Steelers 24-10, to 10, uh, did the Cardinals win Sunday's game because the Steelers overlooked the Cardinals as claimed after the game by the Steelers. Yes, out in front here at 60% of the vote, no trailing at 40%. This is kdos1060.com's poll question that we'll answer around 1230 today. Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Bob had a great conversation with David Kenyon of Bleacher Report chatting all things college football. If you missed it, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. We'll dive heavy into college football here momentarily. Did the CFP committee get the top four right? The masses continue to be strongly on the no side of things at 76.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 23.1%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 If you're on the no side, let us know which top four you think should be in. We'll dive into that around 12:30 today, as I mentioned, 602, 260, 1060 is the number. Let's start with the Pac-12 title game that took place on Friday. As nine and a half point favorites, Oregon got down early. They rallied, but it wasn't enough as UW went on to win 34 to 31. I was very surprised that Oregon opened up the game with three straight pass plays and didn't kind of lean into uh, their strengths, that line of scrimmage. The run game, but then Oregon. I thought they had a chance coming out of half because they marched down the field for a touchdown to make it 20 to 17. UW, and then Michael Penix Jr. threw an interception at the Oregon 41. But this is where I thought things certainly changed. Two plays later, Bo Nix was picked off, basically negating that extra possession. Uh, they still took the lead, however, but UW was able to answer right back with some touchdown drives of their own in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the you know, three straight passes at the start of the game. As it turned out, maybe that was the right approach because you know, Oregon, which really dominated the line of scrimmage last year against Washington, and the first meeting this year, they got whipped to the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball in this entire game. Uh, that, to me, was the biggest surprise of the weekend in anything, football-wise, college or pro, it is uh, you know, Washington – Not just winning the game, which I obviously was surprised at that because I've been saying for weeks that I thought Washington was a phony team. One of my dumber comments of 2023. And uh, the year's not over yet, so stay tuned, folks. we got another couple weeks here. Uh, But that was obviously uh, completely wrong. Uh, But the fact that they just kicked their butts at the line of scrimmage, uh, and that's how they won the game, in my opinion. Uh, Penix made a few throws, obviously. But yeah, you know, they they dominated. They physically dominated this game, and uh, yeah, Bo Nix surprisingly, at least to me, inaccurate um, uh, for the majority of this game. He lost the Heisman Trophy in this game. Jalen Daniels of uh, ASU alum, yeah, you because know, he went to school there for a while. You don't have to be a graduate to be an alum. Trust me, I get uh, thanks from the U of A Alumni Association all the time, and. Uh, not only did I not graduate, I got kicked out of the U of a for academics because I just didn't go to class for like a year. Uh, but you know, they, 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 he's an alum, uh, so there you go. Uh, but that's how that works. Um, but anyway, Bo Nix was not good. Uh, really, you know, they, 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 lost, you know, they lost twice to, to Washington by three points each time, but this time was far more convincing to me. And, yeah, Washington has now won 13-0 uh, and zero this year. They've won 20 games in a row going back to last year. They're 7-0 in one-score games, and uh, they deserve to be in. In fact, I can make a case that they should have been the number one seed in the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, they're sitting at the two seed right now in the CFP. We'll dive into those contests here momentarily, but first, uh, let's go to the Big Twelve with Texas football cruising past Oklahoma State, forty-nine to twenty-one. Quinn Ewers was thirty-five of forty-six, four hundred and fifty-two yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. We had talked about it on Friday. Uh, the running back situation now with Jonathan Brooks out. C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue, Baxter, thirteen carries, forty-three yards, one touchdown, four catches. 33 yards blue 10 carries 33 yards three catches 38 yards and a touchdown um they certainly put the pressure on by dominating in this big 12 title win and their win catapulted them to the three seed from the seven seed
0: yeah and uh, this would have been a much better game had oklahoma been in the conference championship game but uh, oklahoma lost to oklahoma state oklahoma state completely outmatched in this game from start to finish they just weren't equipped. Uh, they weren't to be able to run the ball against the Texas defensive front, which arguably is the best defensive front in college football. Them in Michigan, I would say, would be the two best defensive fronts. Certainly, the team's still playing. They obviously are. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Texas dominated the first half. I thought that Sark's aggressive play calling with the fast pace two different things there. You can be an aggressive play caller and also play with fast pace. They did both of those things, and Oklahoma State just couldn't keep up. The one thing I don't understand is, you know, Xavier Worthy, the you know, stud, Washington, uh, study, excuse me, Texas wide receiver, uh, who had been injured some in the previous two weeks, got injured again in this game, and then came back again, and was on the field when they were winning 42 to 14, and then he got injured for a third time, if you count the previous two weeks and he's in a walking boot uh, back on the sideline at the end of the game because he wanted to be on the field when they won the conference championship and the, you know, the celebration and so forth. But um, a lot of talk, obviously, about Jordan Travis, and he's a quarterback, and obviously Florida State's a much different team without him. But I like, think uh, if Xavier Worthy's not able to play in the uh, CFP semifinal, that makes Texas's passing offense much different.
1: So they're the three seed here. Then we go to the SEC championship game and you had Alabama was just ready to go. Uh, they were playing a physical style of football, taking a 17-7 lead on Georgia into the half. There was controversy there on that fourth down play right before half from Milro to Bond. Uh, they didn't review the play, and they proceeded to score a touchdown. Georgia also had some hobbled players. Brock Bowers, he was five catches, 53 yards. Ladd McConkey, three catches. 38 yards there were a couple of differences as well you had a carson beck fumble you also had alabama being two for two from uh field goal range and georgia was over one on field goal attempts
0: yeah once again a line of scrimmage game here and uh yeah i think that georgia got punked at the line of scrimmage if that's the right term and their winning streak of 29 games and 728 days is over and uh the fact that they just got whipped at the line of scrimmage I do disagree with you a little bit. I actually thought you know, Georgia, right off the bat, they went right down the field and kind of uh, did what they wanted in that first drive. After that, Alabama made adjustments, which Nick Saban talked about without uh, any hesitation and with, uh, I think, uh, some kind of uh, pride or whatever, uh, slamming it uh, towards his former assistant coach, Kirby Smart. And uh, Smart, I thought, really screwed up at the end of the first half. Uh, I don't really care about the so-called controversial catch. Uh, Alabama was up 10-7. Smart called a timeout when he was on defense to try to get the ball back. Uh, that led to a Alabama fourth down conversion, subsequent touch, touchdown, the 17-7 lead. And at that point, to me, the game was over. I know there were some tight moments in the second half, And Milrow had to make some plays in the second half in that last drive, obviously. Uh, He made some plays with his legs and so forth. But to me, uh, Kirby Smart calling that timeout at the end of the first half to uh, give Alabama extra time backfired big time for them. Uh, Milrow also, I mentioned this with David Kenyon during the the sports zone today uh, between 10 and 11 o'clock. I don't remember a quarterback. Uh, who has improved this much during a season than Milrow has. We've had guys that have improved from one season to the next. Uh, David mentioned uh, Joe Burrow certainly is a good case. Burrow was pretty pedestrian. Even in the the next to last year he was at LSU, he was okay. Remember, they played in the Fiesta Bowl here, and they weren't even really that good. And then the next year, he and uh, his cast of characters, which were similar, uh, delivered one of the greatest passing offenses that we've ever seen in college football. But Milrow was amazing. Uh, He had the running plays and the clinching drive. He had passing plays to give them the lead. And I also think that Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, his play calling changed during the season because he and uh, Saban, I'm sure, collaborated to uh, become – uh, with good reason, more confident, with, and Milro is a passer, and that completely changed their offense for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, we talked about it on Friday, just how Alabama is not afraid to air it out. That they they really stress you on the defensive side of the ball with their explosive plays over 20 yards uh, through the air as well, and that was evident as well in this championship game. Um, and to your point about just Milroe and I think the coaching that Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, everybody did. You know, when you think about it, to start the season week three, we were having conversations about who what happened here. This Alabama squad, uh, we're not accustomed to seeing them make mistakes like this we're not accustomed to see them on defense look like this we're not accustomed to see them you know Nick Saban couldn't figure out who he wanted to be the starting quarterback it was uh even throughout the season there there in the beginning and now here they are uh rallying to this point uh now as the four seed in the CFP
0: yeah the Milro thing is we knew he could throw the ball down the field I mean that was something we even saw last year so the deep ball thing to me is not a surprise really to anybody but the thing he's gotten, I think, more, more, he's improved the most with his passing game is he's, he's checked down, his accuracy on shorter passes is without question far better than it was previously, and that's the area that I think he's actually improved the most as a passer, by far, That because he could always throw down the field. That was not a question.
1: Uh, so, in the nine prior years of the CFP, SEC was never left out. Uh, and so Bama now the four seed up from the eighth seed, the games of Saturday night, FSU beating Louisville 16 to six in the ACC title game. FSU was out with, without Rotamaker as he was in the concussion protocol. So enter in third string quarterback, Brock Glenn. He was eight of 21 for 55 yards, but FSU just completely uh, rode the ground game as expected. Also, Their defense played phenomenally, holding Louisville to just six points. In addition to that, Jack Plummer, 14 of 36, 111 yards, one interception, seven sacks. Johar Jordan, 14 carries, 52 yards. But in the end, FSU left out of the CFP.
0: Yeah, they were. And, uh, you know, I guess well, I can answer this question now. Uh, Actually, I'm— very glad as a fan that FSU is not playing in the CFP because I think they would have gotten drilled by anybody uh, without Jordan Travis at quarterback. They're totally a different team. Their defense was very good the other day, but yeah, I've never been a Jack Plummer fan as I've mentioned for you know three schools in like four years now. Uh, and he's just not good. Uh, also, you mentioned Jordan. He's been in and out of the lineup for uh, you know, a lot of the last month, and he wasn't able to finish the game because he had another physical problem uh, injury-wise. Uh, you know, So you know, I think they were you know, limited in what they could do on offense because they didn't have a competent quarterback. And their best you – know, when they were at their best this year – uh yeah jordan was basically you know the runner and he did a lot of those things they had yeah you, know, you, know, you know they had a pretty good you know a couple of good receivers but you know whether Plummer got them the ball or not was questionable you know the florida state defense though they just dominated this game with seven sacks 14 tackles for loss also the fact that florida state committed just three penalties in this game which i think you know, i think that goes to the uh the discipline of uh, Mike Norvell, former ASU offensive coordinator back in the day for Todd Graham, uh, that also played a role in uh, to help Florida State prevail. But uh, at this point, you know, obviously there's no way Travis is going to be playing, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to at least uh, repair, be, be, the ACL be repaired enough for him to go to the NFL training camp next year.
1: Uh, just some numbers, not advocating for or against, just letting them stand alone. FSU didn't give up 30 or more points all year. And then, if you want to take head-to-head conferences here, the ACC was six and four against the SEC, including FSU being two and zero as they faced LSU and Florida. The other night. Well, they
0: still had, they still had the 55th best schedule in the country according to the CFP. 55th.
1: Correct. The other night game was Michigan beating Iowa 26 to nothing. It ended up being the lowest yards per play by a Michigan offense in the Jim Harbaugh era. In this game, J.J. McCarthy 22 of 30, 147 yards. Blake Corum 16 carries, 52 yards, but still a touchdown scoring machine with two touchdowns. Special teams for Michigan uh, was obviously key and critical, with an 87-yard punt return, and they were also four for four in field
0: goals yeah well the the punt return surprised me the most because i thought that was the one area where iowa would have an advantage in this game because their special teams have been great 87 yard punt return the two michigan touchdown drives the drives quote unquote were five and six yards after the punt return and also the fumble recovery Uh, so you know they had michigan did not have to push anything on offense and they didn't Also, they certainly miss Zach Zinter, their offensive lineman, uh, who is uh, by far their best offensive lineman. And unfortunately, like Jordan Travis, suffering a horrible knee injury towards the end of the season, the regular season. And hopefully Zinter, who was expected to be a first-round pick, I'm not sure if he will be now because apparently he tore the ACL and MCL and pretty much everything in between if there is such a thing uh yeah, you know hopefully he uh will be uh, uh also at least healthy enough to attend a training camp next year in the nfl
1: uh we'll get into what these matchups are the rose bowl and the sugar bowl on the other side of the break some other bowl matchups of interest as well if you'd like to chime in feel free to do so are, are there any
0: other games of interest as far as the other bowl games really well, all these opt-outs and all the you know, quarterbacks that are supposed to be starting in this game that have opted out uh, this morning. Uh, so, okay, good luck with the other games of interest. I'll try to follow along.
1: Well, that's the unfortunate part, is that they are of interest until you find out, uh, you know, this player might not be playing, that player may not uh, be playing, uh, all of the transfer portal okay. players, et cetera. It's, uh, I get it as a player, uh, you want to go where you're going to be able to have an opportunity with some more NIL money to improve your your positioning, to improve yourself. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the bowl season is not really what it was.
0: And it never will be again. It's going to get worse starting next year with the 12-team playoff. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060.
1: Extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Monday. It is December 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We were talking about the college football with the CFP. Top four officially set. The matchups are the Rose Bowl, January 1st, going to be number one ranked Michigan up against number four ranked Alabama. These two teams have met just three times and once in the Sabin and Harbaugh eras. Alabama, at least as of this morning, was plus one and a half. Michigan minus one and a half, over under sitting at 46 and a half.
0: Yeah, I really don't have much to say about these games. Looking forward uh, to watching both of these and probably not looking forward to watching any other bowl game this uh, upcoming you know, three or four weeks here that we have leading up to. Until those two games, which I believe are on January 1st. I'm not even positive about that. I apologize for that. I should know what days. I think it's January 1st, those two games are. So, other than those two games and the the college football championship game, I probably won't be watching any college football bowl games because I don't care. And uh, all the opt outs are already starting with Caleb Williams leading the way. And, you know, as far as Ohio State goes, you know, Kyle McCord enters the transfer portal. And uh, it's unofficial, but I don't think there's any chance that their four best players are going to opt out and not play in that game either because their four best players are all projected to be first-round draft picks.
1: Uh, Yeah, so for Michigan and Alabama here, I mean, I think you obviously have Michigan and the defensive, uh, quote unquote, prowess that they have in going up against, you know, the we just discussed it with like Jalen Miller's growth. We discussed the ability to push the ball down the field, the air yards that he gets. uh, So just kind of a very offensive, defensive matchup. And it seems like that's been matchups that Michigan finds themselves in when they get to this part of the year.
0: Well, I think they're a much better team this year. They have more seniors than anybody. They mentioned this again yesterday during the, you know, I only watched the first hour. I didn't watch the next 12 hours or whatever the ESPN broadcast was for the rest of the bowl games. But, uh, you know, they mentioned this last Tuesday night and they mentioned it again yesterday. that no team in the, uh, you know, it was the, actually last week they mentioned no team in the top 23 of the CFP had more seniors on their roster than Michigan and so they have an experienced team. Yeah, I don't know if the Milrow, you know, air yards thing means squat here because if uh, Alabama has a weakness, it's pass protection in the offensive line, and the Michigan front seven certainly is a strength. I'll be on Alabama or nobody in this game. Um, nothing to do with my you know, Ohio State allegiance. This is not a revenge thing for me. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, I certainly would not watch, uh, mind watching Michigan lose. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I, I can't uh, – you know, I think it's going to be a, a rough matchup for Michigan as far as just uh, trying to figure out how to, to deal with Milroe. And also, I think that the uh, Alabama front seven and their secondary, they got two first-round corners. I think that they match up well against the Michigan offense, especially without Zinter, who we've mentioned a couple of times, is obviously not going to play this game for, for the U of M.
1: Uh, then you have the Sugar Bowl also on January 1st, featuring number two, Washington, number three, Texas here. Interestingly enough, these two teams played each other last year in the Alamo Bowl. Now they're playing here in the Sugar Bowl for uh, college football playoff title implications. Texas minus four and a half, UW plus four and a half, over under sitting at 63 and a half. Uh, You know, obviously, we know so much about Texas's front seven and how good they are here being able to protect michael Penix jr has been something of importance this year for the huskies the ground game has been going a little bit more of late but certainly getting the ball out in space to washington's playmakers and if they're coming back healthy after having kind of about a month to, to rest up that could be really important for the huskies side of the ball
0: That's true. It got screwed here on the location of this game, being in Louisiana, and uh, short uh, John from Austin, Texas, to uh, the Superdome. Uh, So that's uh, that's a negative for Washington for sure. Um, I really have no idea how I'm going to handicap this game yet. I've got some time to think this over, and I'm sure I will. Uh, the good news is uh, these are the championship level games, and we're not expecting any opt outs for either team or any of these four teams in the, in the championship level of, of qual- quality, hopefully quality college football.
1: Uh, then some of the other bowls here. You have the Orange Bowl set for December 30th. Number five, Florida State going up against number six, Georgia. Uh, we obviously know about the quarterback situation for Florida State. We'll have to see how many opt-outs on both sides of the ball for, for these wow. two teams. But it's just kind of interesting in general that Georgia went from being ranked number one, lost one game uh, in the SEC title game, and fell to number six.
0: You got your ass kicked at the line of scrimmage, you don't deserve to be in the Final Four. They got destroyed at the line of scrimmage in that game on Saturday against Alabama after the first drive of the game. And I don't feel sorry. Actually, I don't feel sorry for any team that's not in, except for Florida State to some extent because Travis got hurt. But I don't want to see, as a football fan, I I don't want to see Florida State play any of these other teams because I think that they would get clobbered.
1: Cotton Bowl December 29th number 9 Missouri versus number 7 Ohio State Missouri is in a New Year's Six Bowl for the first time since 2013 it's also just kind of interesting here you know Missouri is in the SEC conference but you'd have to think just listening to you know their head coach talk about being able to make it to a New Year's Six Bowl and what that sort of means for them in the program, very different from an Ohio State team coming in, incredibly disappointed to be not in the top four. Uh, You already have Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord entering the transfer portal. You'd have to think that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be sitting out preparing for the NFL draft, and who knows who else will be entering into uh, the portal for Ohio State.
0: Well, I think we know. I mean, Harrison, Henderson, uh, Eichenberg and Burke, none of those guys are playing in this game for Ohio State.
1: The Peach Bowl, December 30th, number 11 Ole Miss versus number 10 Penn State. Uh, explosive offense versus stout defense here. Uh, again, you always have to monitor any of the opt outs, et cetera, here, uh, but SEC versus Big Ten.
0: Okay. Uh, let me know who wins, and I'll, you know tell you that I didn't watch it.
1: Alamo Bowl, December 28th, number 14 U of A versus number 12 Oklahoma. Uh, The news this morning is for Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel entering the transfer portal this season, 3,680 yards, 30 touchdowns, and six interceptions. So he's out for Oklahoma. And then the U of A, uh, with the week of not playing, ended up actually improving to number 14 in the rankings.
0: Okay, this is news to me. I did not uh, bother to even check the new rankings after the top four. Actually, the top six we knew, right, because they showed five and six last night. Or yesterday. I guess that was yesterday morning. I got my times all messed up here. Uh, Unfortunately, this might have been a fun game, but Gabriel's not playing. And uh, uh, really, unfortunately, we saw Oklahoma had to play some this year when Gabriel didn't play, and they couldn't even throw the ball. They didn't have a quarterback that could actually throw a forward pass.
1: And the Fiesta Bowl, which is going to also take place on January first, uh, number eight Oregon versus number twenty-three Liberty. Bo Nix is planning to play, according to Dan Lanning. Liberty went thirteen and zero, but uh, according to metrics, their schedule ranks as the weakest in college football.
0: Of hundred and thirty-three teams, they have the worst schedule, huh?
1: That's okay. what I read.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, hello, Fiesta Bowl.
1: On the other side, we'll dive into today's poll questions. The KDOS 1060.com poll question, flipping it back to the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals getting a 24 10 victory over the Steelers, and the tw- Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060. Did the CFP committee get the top four right? We'll dive into that next, right here on the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app.
0: KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone.
1: point Here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. And it's time to dive into the poll questions. So let's get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Heavy in the first segment about the Arizona Cardinals and their victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers today. Uh, it was 24 to 10 yesterday. So the question here is... Uh, Did the Cardinals win on Sunday because the Steelers overlooked the Cardinals as claimed after the game by the Steelers? Yes or no?
0: And and I want to clarify this by several Steelers players, not necessarily by the Steelers organization, but uh, several Steelers players led by Jalen Warren. mentioned this after the game and then a couple other players chimed in as agreeing with him. I assume when they were asked whether they agreed to Warren or not, I didn't hear all the press conference. But yeah, you know, that wouldn't even be a press conference. That would be just locker room stuff. But anyway, I think it is complete rubbish. If the uh, Steelers were dumb enough to look uh, by past anybody, it's not like they have, uh, you know, the greatest team of all time. This is not the uh, Steel Curtain. This is not the uh, 1970 Steelers with Terry Bradshaw or the 19. 19- you know ninety Steelers with Neil O'Donnell even or the Super Bowl champion team that beat the Cardinals in the two thousand and seven or eight season, whichever one of those was. It's not like they, they shouldn't be looking past anybody, so yeah you know, shame on them. However, you know, throw that aside, the Cardinals completely deserve to win this game, yeah, you know, for reasons that we mentioned uh, earlier in uh, the you know the last hour when we got into this game in some detail. They completely dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, which I totally did not expect. That's the reason I picked the Steelers in the game because I thought the Steelers would be able to physically dominate the Cardinals, especially with their defensive front. That didn't happen yesterday, even before Watt got injured. That did not happen at all. And the Cardinals' offense uh, playing from the lead is uh, much better than it is if they have to chase points like many offenses, unfortunately, right now in the NFL. And uh, clearly the Cardinals deserve to win. They out uh, they outperformed them. They out tough them. They out them. They beat them in every single solitary way. And for the Steelers players, some of them at least, to infer that uh, they overlooked the Cardinals after the fact, shame on them, and they uh, should be ashamed of themselves.
1: Uh, you know, I have no idea what the Steelers' preparation was like leading into – uh, into the contest, into the game. So, if that's how they felt, then that seems to be more of an intris- intrinsic look as to I didn't do enough to get myself ready to go for this game. Uh, these are still NFL teams lining up, ready to go. Uh, I think that it seems like everything absolutely changed uh, when you had the third and goal. Kenny Pickett uh, runs for the the touchdown there, but ends up getting hurt. Uh, they decide to go for it on fourth down with Mitchell Trubisky there. The goal line stand occurs and then the Cardinals putting together an incredible 99 yard drive there. I just thought at that point it was too much for the Steelers to overcome whether it was Kenny Pickett being able to come back because at that point we didn't know the severity of the injury coming back into play or if it was Mitchell Trubisky going to have to man the offense for the rest of the game that uh, the Steelers are not built to come from behind. Uh, They have to play from the lead and that also then helps the defense etc in the second half you have to give tons of credit to james Conner, who just took over that game to seal the win uh with his bruising punishing style of runs getting into the end zone a couple of different times and then late in that fourth quarter making sure that the steelers didn't have an opportunity to get the ball back Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. The Cardinals played mistake-free, and the strengths of the Steelers were mitigated with how the Cardinals played. So I think all credit goes to the Cardinals, uh, and if the Steelers don't feel like, if the Steelers players don't feel like they were prepared and ready to go, then that's completely on them.
0: I would also say it's on the coaching staff. You know, this fact that they changed coordinators a couple of weeks ago is going to change things, and I was really, the one thing I was suspect about is while they had 400 yards on offense, their first game without Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator, they still only scored one touchdown in that game. They scored one touchdown in yesterday's game, and there were a number of times where it just looked like mass confusion on the offensive side of the ball. And for the defense, for that matter, they had 12 men on the field twice yesterday. Uh, the Steelers did on defense, so lack of preparation there possibly uh, is. I think that that's maybe uh, you know. I, I, Legitimate and also on offense, they did. They had to call timeouts. They had guys lined up incorrectly. They had guys running in and out of the play before, like five seconds before a play, two or three times. It was mass confusion. I think that there was a lack of preparation, but I don't think that has anything to do uh, with the fact that the Cardinals just dominated the line of scrimmage and clearly deserved to win the game in every way.
1: Uh, The masses are on the yes side of things at 65% of the vote, no trailing at 35%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Tossing it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, did the CFP committee get the top four right Bob had an extensive conversation, college football conversation with David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. So did the CFP get the top four right? Of course you have Michigan number one, uh, UW number two, number three, Texas, and number four, Alabama. This is just a this is just a tough one because you obviously have what FSU accomplished, going undefeated, winning their conference, uh, being the conference champion, scheduling opponents that they did, like facing LSU in week number one, winning that game. And you just feel for every single player on that team who competed their butts off to keep the season going, not having Jordan Travis at quarterback. Uh, so you you just you sympathize with that and it's it's a brutal way to be excluded from the CFP i do think though that you could also make the argument if you're trying to say um you know the four best teams because i guess i'm very confused as to what the criteria is because it feels like the yeah. criteria has changed coming specifically from the committee's mouth year over year has changed so because i'm not quite certain what the what guidelines they're following here, you could also maybe say that Georgia deserved to be in there too because they lost one game in the conference title game. Uh, They fell all the way down to number six. So the whole thing is just kind of a mess. But when you're looking at then, I also thought to myself that there is absolutely no way that the college football playoff committee is leaving the SEC out. They are not leaving that entire region of football fanatics out. They are not leaving those eyeballs. They are not leaving that out whatsoever. They are going to find a way to get uh, Alabama in. And obviously, if Georgia would have won, then there would have been really no uh, sort of question mark here but absolutely once that happened they were going to find a way and then once alabama took care of business you couldn't exclude texas because they beat alabama uh in the end though you know it's really unfortunate because you line up you play the game you never know what happens but if you're thinking on paper you know obviously the fsu offense is more explosive when jordan travis is is manning it versus rotomaker or their backup glenn uh so i'm going to say yes they they got it right here
0: I agree. and I don't know what the criteria is either, and uh, the fact that they change committee members all the time and everybody has a different opinion of how they look at things uh, probably confuses things further at least in in you know the last ten or eleven years now that we've had the CFP. So uh, yeah, but I, I, let's I'll put it this way as a fan, I'm actually glad that these are the four teams. I don't feel sorry for George at all. I mean, they knew the circumstances before that game started if they really thought that out. And the fact that they just got physically be beaten by you know Alabama on both sides of the ball, don't feel sorry for them. I do, as you mentioned, and I agree with you, I feel badly for the Florida State players, but I don't want to watch them play any of these other teams. I mean, it would be – non- you know, we've watched, unfortunately – too many semifinal you know, games that were not good in the CFP for several years running. For the most part, uh, you know we had a little bit better last, you know, last year. Was certainly great, but you know those two games were close and competitive at least. But we've had too many routes, and I would have uh, you know been forlorn if I uh, had to watch Florida State play whoever in the first round of a playoff game because as good as Florida State's defense is their offense with the other two quarterbacks is just non-existent. Uh, Even though you have skilled players around those guys, that those two quarterbacks are just uh, not competent enough to win a game against a good team in college football. And they're lucky that they really didn't play a good team in college football because I never bought into Louisville at any part this season. And certainly Florida, I mean, they end up with a losing record and didn't even go to a bowl game.
1: The masses are on the no side at 76.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 23.1%. This is on Twitter, at KDUSAM1060. And, you know, I feel like it, I can't remember what year it was, but certainly throughout the course of the 10 years of this four-team playoff, you, you, you had to know that at some point somebody who was quote-unquote deserving of being in in the final four was going to be left out when the structure of things was five power five conferences and there's only four spots.
0: Yeah. And I do agree with what they said afterwards. The, uh, yeah, I forgot the gentleman's name, the uh, Corrigan, right. From North South North Carolina or wherever he's from the, the, the chair of the committee, uh, that they were, you know, six good teams. And I agree with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think that uh, that we, I don't think we've had this many good teams in college football in the college football playoff era that we had this particular year, so that made it more difficult. Uh, so I agree with that part. Uh, the one thing I also say is that uh, one of the reasons we had this many good teams is much like, unfortunately, the NFL. Uh, rarely do I remember a college football season where there were more bad teams in the so-called power conferences, as I we've witnessed in the last four or five months here.
1: Uh, yes, you're right, Boo. Boo Corrigan.
0: There we go, Boo. How could I forget Boo?
1: But I will say this, you know, after all talking about all of this, um, if I were on FSU's team, I would be probably saying exactly the things that Mike Norvell is saying. I'd no, be feeling I everything. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a yeah. tough situation.
0: Agreed. Uh, I totally agree with, I understand Norvell's viewpoint, but as a college football fan, we're, I'm going to watch two games on January 1st, and I'm not glad that Florida State's not in it, but I'm also um, uh, not unhappy that I don't have to watch Florida State score 10 points against whoever they're playing on January 1st.
1: We wrap it up on the other side of the break. It is Monday. It is December 4th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you. One more segment to go here in the Extra Point.
0: Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060.
1: Monday, December 4th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortillaro here with you in the Extra Point. One final segment to go today. It's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time.
0: As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped to the cracks. Also, our guest today: college football playoff schedule uh, selection analysis—not schedule. Ske- well, that too, uh, schedule and selection analysis, and more college football discussion with Drake, David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. Tomorrow, ten fifteen, of we'll our next to last fantasy football update for this season with John McKechnie of Rotowire.com. Sound today courtesy of uh, CBS, Fox, and ESPN. Special thanks as always to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next.
1: That's right. Up next from noon to, or I'm sorry, it already is noon. It's 1256. Coming up from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports 2 with Dave rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. As it is for the Phoenix Suns, there was no Devin Booker on Friday, and it was a 119-111 to 111 loss to the Denver Nuggets. KD was 0 4 in the fourth quarter, something that you rarely see. Uh, Booker, though, back in the lineup on Saturday when it was a 116 to 109 win over the Grizzlies. Booker, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Kevin Durant, 27 points on 10 of 14 from the floor. The Suns are 9 and 2 when Devin Booker is in the lineup. They're 12 and 8 overall.
0: Yeah. Um uh, I'd like to chime in with some analysis here, but I didn't watch one second of either of these games. Sorry.
1: Well, Bob, get excited because the in-season tournament quarterfinal gets underway tonight. You have They still in it? Uh yes, the Suns are. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So the Sun, well, tonight, it's the Celtics and the Pacers 5.30 p.m. on TNT and the Pelicans at the Kings at 8 p.m. on TNT. Then tomorrow, it's going to be uh, the Knicks at the Bucks at 5.30 p.m. on TNT with the Suns at the Lakers at 8 p.m. on TNT. And the winner of that of those games advanced to Las Vegas to play uh, on Thursday. So that's how things are shaking out for the quarterfinal set for today and tomorrow in this in-season tournament extravaganza
0: It's an extravaganza. I totally agree with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's what's next up for the Phoenix Suns. Uh then you have tonight the Bengals and the Jaguars wrapping up Week 13. The Bengals plus nine and a half, Jags minus nine and a half. Over/under sitting at 39 and a 6:15 p.m. on ESPN. The Jaguars, though, find themselves in a position to be contending for the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, tonight's the Bengals. Then they are at the Browns, home against the Ravens, at the Bucks, home against the Panthers, and at the Titans to round out their season.
0: First uh, home game on Monday Night Football in 12 years for Jacksonville. Also, yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about the NFL. I think the big winner yesterday in the NFL was the Buffalo Bills, who didn't play, and you know, watched Cleveland and Buff and uh, Cleveland and also uh, Kansas City both lose yesterday.
1: And Kansas City and Buffalo plays each other this Sunday.
0: Ooh. Okay. Well, we get the you know, will Josh Allen fall short again stories, right? I guess that'll start again because, you know, unfortunately they've had some matchups before and Josh Allen and the Bills have come out short in uh, those matchups for the most part.
1: It was the end of a 26-year run for CBS and SEC football with the SEC championship. Uh, They're moving on CBS to the Big Ten, and uh, the SEC is moving to ABC and ESPN for next season. That'll do it for this Monday, December 4th edition of The Extra Point. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 10 a.m.